This is Jeff Kelly from Jeffrey Kelly Custom Woodworking, and you're listening to the Contracting Handbook Podcast with Mike Kanoki. So which came first, the life you wanted to lead or wanting to learn your craft? Like, okay, I'm going to show up and the crete's in the ground and the first floor is framed and sheathed over ready for the timber frame to go up and we'll show up and put the frame up in a, day, a couple days, depending on the size of it and using math this way and being able to build cool stuff with it. And um, ever since then, it was just like, all I want to do is complicated stuff. It's all the knowledge I have is mostly from people that shared it with me. I'm not someone that's gonna not show you how to do something because I'm worried you're gonna take my information and leave. You learn something one way, you adapt stuff to it. Like all the stuff that I do now, I've adapted over the years. I've taken something from someone and, and adapted it to how it fits me. Give us one shot of advice or wisdom you've picked up along the way. Learn as much as you can because no one can take that away from you. Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. I don't know much about my next guest. He's carved out a life with his wife and created a niche where he lives. I know he loves his trade and at home in Newcastle, Maine, where he grows his beard and makes cabinets. He's also a timber framer. He may have thought he was going to be left alone and live a quiet life. But thanks to our big brother, Google, he's been apprehended by the Contracting Handbook Podcast. May I introduce to you the man behind the beard. Jeff Kelly of Jeff Kelly Woodworks. What's up, man? How's it going, Mike? It's going good. It's going good. Thanks for being here. And thanks and, for um, having me. Yeah. My, my pleasure. And let's dive into the deep end. So which came first? The life you wanted to lead or wanting to learn your craft? Uh, I'd say wanting to learn the craft, uh, came first. That was, um, kind of what brought me to Maine and the life that I'm living kind of just followed and it turned out to be what I was looking for. And I love it up here and I'll plan on staying here. You know, from, from where <laughs> I'm sitting and, and, and looking at your social media and kind of following along with you there. Uh, it looks like both both you and your wife have created lives and niches that allow you to kind of live where you want to live and, and, and live how you want to live. Um, she's a seamstress, uh, Amperite Studio, if I have that right. And yep. and you're a timber framer. So is that is that true? Does it kind of allow you to, you know, your your trade, your skills kind of let you create a life there? Yeah, definitely. It does. <clears throat> um, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, we're both self-employed. Um, thankfully we both love what we do. So, um, putting in the long hours, um, being workaholics kind of works for both of us. Um, and no complaints on, on either end from us. Yeah. You know, and, and I used to live in Maine and I always said that if I was going to live in the U S again, if I was going to live in America again, uh, that that Maine would be where I'd go back to, but it always seemed like it'd be a tough place to to carve out a living. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely tough. Um, I mean, 
it was all it was tough find meeting meeting people when i moved here from not being from maine but um after two or three years i think some of the local guys kind of warmed up and started accepting me so <laughs> yeah and you're and, and also you're a specialist in what you do so you create that and I, you know i kind of relate to it because i i wanted to be in alaska and and all those things that i was supposed to do that you know i was raised thinking i was supposed to do i moved here and eventually all that just went by the wayside and and i was able to create my life here because i became a contractor so yeah and it supports how i want to live which is important to me um so so let's rewind to the beginning um you moved to maine to start your woodworking um but you you told me a story earlier about uh you were in in college for accounting yeah and then and then you were hanging out i don't know you were with, with hanging out with a roommate um in syracuse or something yeah so it was after i graduated i was working uh for an accounting firm out of central new york we were living in syracuse at the time and a buddy of mine was trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life reading a book i can't remember the title of the book but got to the end of it and told me that the uh, exercises in the book he did told him he should be a homesteader an organic farmer or a timber framer and i looked at him and was like what are all of those <laughs> and awesome. he showed me a book on timber framing and instantly like i just fell in love with it. i was like I, I have to learn how to do that um and it took about three years you know kind of going through the corporate world and and realizing that's not what i wanted to do before i ended up here in maine and and got my foot in the door doing the timber framing so um and then so how did you kind of hone those skills um god just trying to be a sponge and and absorb everything i could uh thankfully kind of everybody that i worked with or around or for once i got up here um, they were pretty talented people they were willing to share their knowledge and if i was in a situation where somebody wasn't you know, verbally teaching me something, um, I would be watching them all day long, uh, kind of keeping my eye on, on what they're doing, learning that way. Also, obviously, you know, paying attention to what I'm supposed to be doing, but, um, yeah. yeah, after, after my first timber framing job, I was there for about a year and a half and just got to the point where I felt like I wasn't learning anything new at that place and had an interest in furniture building um quit my job in the same day went over to a local shop and got hired <laughs> and spent about six months just putting oil on hand rubbed oil finish on furniture but i learned a lot um just being in the shop with two other guys and watching what they were doing all the time before they kind of let me do any of the real woodworking um, per se mm -hmm. um and it so you're always working on other people's stuff was there like a point when you started working on your own projects at your own place you were kind of like deepened your skills or um yeah i mean i've always kind of tinkered on my own right when i moved up here uh i was living on my sister's couch and had a kind of 
tiny little shop in her basement. Uh, so whenever I wasn't at work, I was kind of down there um, playing around, trying to, I guess, teach myself. Um, but and it was, I think, oh four, oh five, probably when I started building my house, um, and that was a, a great experience. It was kind of the first project, whole house project I did start to finish, um, and it happened to be for me. But it took, I think, I moved up here in '99, so it's probably five five years before I started that project. Um, and looking back at it now, there's not much I would change about it, but I do look at things and say, well, wow, I can't believe I did that or that looks horrible or, <laughs> but I'm happy with it, you know, it's so long ago. And you're still living in it. And I'm still living there. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a barn style house and the, you know, I'm down in the shop right now is on the first floor and we live upstairs. So it's a, close quick commute to work if i happen to be working in the shop which is really nice but it can be a um, drawback also because you'll find yourself down here all the time huh yeah you know the that phenomena of uh living in a house that you built when you were inexperienced and then being very experienced later is a big around here where i live because uh, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of us were young and just didn't know anything and built their own places. Luckily I sold my first place. So, um, yeah. but, but I, 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 it's interesting to, to be in a house with a friend who's, who's built, who built their house a long time ago and they, you know, but you've grown so much. It's, it's also really neat um, to look back and, and have those. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Um, like I said, I mean, I didn't know much when I built it and mm -hmm. I learned a lot doing it. Um, Absolutely. The, over the years, you know, I've done everything from renovation to new construction, stick framing, conventional framing, timber framing, the cabinetry. So um, each step of the way, I feel like you're always learning something. Um, I've just kind of gotten to the point where I've found the things that I love, which happens to be the timber framing and cabinetry and millwork. So I try to um, keep most of the jobs that I take on kind of fall in, in those categories. I do know I do not like renovation that much. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of that anymore either, but um, I learned a lot from it. I think I learned the yeah. most building, building my first place because you'll really learn the systematics. Cause you're forced yeah. to, you know? Yeah. I had no idea of any of that when I built this place, uh -huh. even the sequence of how things should get done or what subs to call or all that stuff was just new to me, learned as I went. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm the same way. And, and, um, second place, you know, then I was more systematic about it, but, um, and then renovations, I think, I think renovations are the, are one of the best ways to learn because you're unbuilding things. Yeah, I've, you know, one of the big renovation projects I did, um, it was about a three year project. It was two brothers and myself doing it and it was an old historic house. Um, and it was, you know, gutting it right down, starting in the basement and rebuilding it, um, period, correct all, you know, the moldings and trims we were making. And just seeing how a house that's a hundred and something years old comes apart and put it back together and, you know, jacking it up and pulling walls in and straightening walls, replumbing stuff, leveling it. Um, it was probably one of the biggest learning experiences as far as overall construction. And 
there was a lot of days during the process. I was like, wow, this, this sucks. You know, the, the work we were doing, it's just dirty, grungy. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, when that project was done, it was, it was just like, wow, this place looks phenomenal. And it's, it's totally one that you'd want to show off to people. And, um, but it also taught me I didn't want to do <laughs> renovation the rest of my life, but learned a lot from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The period work has got to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the walls and, and see what they were insulating with whatever they had around uh, at the time <laughs> we were pulling you know sheetrock off of plaster and wire mesh and behind that was plaster and lath and then you know we'd rip a wall down and it was framed two inches from the original wall and it's just it, it was never ending it, it, i feel like we spent a year gotten it it wasn't that long but it, it took forever you know going through it room by room yeah Crazy. So then, so then when did you start your timber framing business on your own? So I kind of, I spent about a year and a half for a company up here doing timber framing and a year and a half for a furniture builder. Um, so about three years into it is when I kind of went off on my own, hooked up with a couple of brothers, um, kind of worked a lot on projects with them. And I would say from that point, it was probably, 2002 or three, I guess I was technically self-employed, kind of working for myself or subbing out to other people. Um, and so quite a while now. Um, and then when did you start, like, when did you start building homes? Uh, I guess the, the year after I built my place, was the first timber frame house that I, I did for a customer. Um, it was with the same two guys. I did that big renovation project with the homeowners involved kind of general contracting. It was awesome project. Um, and then from that point, a lot of times I'm not doing the whole house. I'm not like general contracting the project. Um, it's either, the customer has got in touch with me and I'm doing just the timber frame portion of the project or the timber frame and the SIP panels, the insulation panels. And sometimes it's the general contractor that might have the job where they need a timber frame and they'll call me. Um, so as far as turnkey houses, other than my own, there's probably only a couple other that I've done um, in the last, what is it, 24 years I've been up here in 2021 kind of on my own i feel like i'm oh. always doing a portion of the project right right like they want some part of the house timber framed or some yeah or just the frame like i'm not yeah. like after the frames up i'm i'm done and out of there and a yeah. lot of times i won't even frame the the first floor system it's just like okay i'm going to show up in the crates in the ground and the first floor is framed and sheathed over ready for the timber frame to go up and we'll show up and Put the frame up in a, day, a couple days depending on the size of it and head on out and that's it a lot of a lot of places i feel like i don't see them when they're finished you know 100 percent done and people are living in mm. them. yeah that's part of the that's a that's the weird thing about construction is you don't really get to see it after it's lived in. <laughs> yeah. you build it and you walk away i feel yeah. the same way about finishing a house um this year i was actually really fortunate uh there's some reasons why I, ha I got to go visit, but I went to visit two houses that I built in the last few years and see how the people live in those houses. And it was really neat. Yeah. 
That was really awesome. cool. Yeah. Um, cause they were both spec or yeah, they were both spec houses. So, yeah. um, okay. Um, when you're doing, when you're dealing with the sit panels, who's in charge of measuring, like who's in charge of making sure all that stuff's dialed? Uh, is you or is the contractors are back and forth. That's mostly on me. Um, when I'm, Dealing with panels, it's usually for a house. A lot I do 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 a lot of, of barns where they're not insulated, so we're not dealing with them. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a, a residential house, and I'm and I'm the one ordering the panels and installing them, then I basically take my drawing that I've done on the computer. It's a 3D model, and I have to plug in the rough opening dimensions for the windows and the exact placement in the house where they're going. I'll just email the whole file to the panel company and they'll cut all the parts and pieces. All the window ROs are cut out. Um, all the foams routed out where two buys have to get put in for nailing and they show up all wrapped up and numbered for me. So if there's any mistakes on the actual panels and how they're cut, cause I am buying a pre-cut package, then that's on me and I have to deal with fixing it or, or, you know, accommodating for it if there's any errors yeah i've have limited experience with sips but it's not my favorite system I, but yeah. it makes sense for it makes total sense for timber framing that's what they do here too for the most part yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm not crazy about putting them on i always have to find guys to help me because you know most of the time i'm working either by myself or if it's an actual timber frame i've got a buddy of mine that helps me cut the frames he has a wood miser and a lot of times he's milling the beams. But when it comes to putting the frame up or if we're going to enclose the, the structure with the sips, I, I can't do that with two people. There's no way. So I have a handful of buddies that are all contractors that have crews. So I'll call up one of them and see who can help and, and get them on as quick as we can. Yeah, that's got to be challenging. Um, so no employees no plans to have employees? No, never had any employees. Like I said, if I, if I need the manpower, I've got plenty of guys to call up to help out when I need it. But, um, I feel like it's stressful for me, stressful enough, not having employees, but just everything that goes along with having them is stressful. Um, quality controls, you know, stuff. If I have a lot of people that when they ask me if I'm doing the, the job, am I actually there doing the job or am I getting the job and having five guys show up? So, um, there, there, it does come down to that in some cases where you you can't take a job on and someone's expecting you to be there to do the work, but you're never there. You're just, you know, got a bunch of guys there doing it for you. And so for people that are out there listening that can't, that haven't seen your, you on Instagram, um or social media and haven't seen your process because you're flying solo and you're and you're timber framing how are you assembling like you're making your you're making your joints on the ground you're pre-assembling some stuff yeah so i'll do uh i do all the frame drawings and joinery details um print up the plans and basically cutting, you know, we'll set up a big rack and have, you know, 20 beams at a time on there if they're all similar. We're laying them out, the 
tape measures and pencils, checking them, razor knife all our cut lines, and then we start cutting the joinery uh, till the frame is 100% complete as far as being cut. And then we'll ship it out to wherever it's going. And most of the frames that I do are uh, like a bent style. So we're, we're assembling a whole cross section of a gable, basically the posts, the rafters, um, collar ties, floor girders flat on the ground. And we're just going to stack them up. Say there's four bents in a frame. We'll assemble all four of them on the ground so we can have a crane or a boom truck come in and try and get the thing standing. And it's usually like a day or two, but like I said, it depends on the size of the frame and the complexity of how the joinery is going together. Mm -hmm. But you're standing these frames. You got a, you got a boom operator. Yeah. And then, and then you're running back and forth, just scrambling. Yeah, back I'm and, you know. running around on the ground yeah. a lot. That's, that's a, portion that it's usually me and and ben who works with me quite a bit um and that and i'll find anywhere from two to three guys to help and usually it's two or three guys that have never done a timber frame or worked mm. on one but they're interested in it and they're all in the trade so i have no problem you know hiring them or having them help but it, they've all gone gone pretty smooth with no issues um and but yeah, I'm, I'm the basket of stress on a raising day. <laughs> yeah, of course. There's a lot That's going on the... and just the, yeah. sa the safety is the biggest thing. Um, you know, making mm -hmm. sure I don't want to rush things if it's unsafe. So. Yeah. That's like trust day for me. You just want yeah. to, you just want to fly, right? Uh, Ryan Smith is cringing right now. Cause I said trusses, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's my life. Um, yeah, you want the bluebird day. You want the perfect day, and you want everybody to be happy and safe. Yeah, you want your yeah. You I know, mean, it's what? fun having it's fun having help that doesn't do it all the time because because oh, it's yeah. cool for everybody. They're, yeah, the, it, the enthusiasm totally is. is high. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always high, especially with guys that have never done it before. And and two frames that I put up this year actually had friends that I met through Instagram come help put them up and they were just like you know beyond ecstatic being part of it and seeing the process and how it went up and it was just a blast for everyone involved cool especially nice. the homeowners when they see it standing <laughs> yeah that's what we want happy homeowners yeah happy clients <coughs> excuse me um getting over a cold here and this cough just won't go away um all right so i'm 49 you said you're you're 40 we're the same age basically yeah and, 48 and, and and i feel strong i feel good but i i know my i know i have limits now you know i'm not 35 i'm not 32 i'm not invincible anymore so as as i look down the road and and i think <laughs> about needing help and you know like what's that look like for you because eventually i don't know do you, do you just plan to keep operating like this or do you eventually you're gonna pass the torch um do you have like people you're mentoring i've always said i'll probably work till i die because i love what i'm doing uh-huh um fair and and at this point you know i'm like you said i'm 48 and can't do what i used to do when i was younger um but 
I, I want to do it as long as I can. And right now, like in the last couple of years, for me, it's been timber frame, timber frame, timber frame. I've turned down some cabinet jobs. And one of the reasons for doing that is I don't know how long my body will hold up doing the timber framework. It's a lot you know, harder on me. But I want to take as many as I can now while I can still do them. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, I, I'm sore every day. I mean, four, it was probably four years ago I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis that was pretty bad. Mm. And it, it kind of brought me to a screeching halt. Like I couldn't physically work or do anything. And it took a while for him to figure out what it was and kind of get things straightened out. But, um, you know, I couldn't tie my own shoes. I, I had my oh, a manual man. truck and I couldn't like drive because I couldn't shift the shifter. And I was freaking out like, holy cow, what am I going to do to make money or to make a living? And thankfully, that's all gotten sorted out since then. But like, it's always in the back of my head, like, what if that comes back? Or what if, you know, something doesn't work anymore that I'm taking for it? And and I, I feel it every day. I mean, I, I get out of bed, like my whole body's sore. Once I get moving, I'm fine. And then coming home, getting out of the truck to come inside, I feel the same way as getting out of bed sometimes. It's but um, as far as is planning for the future, um, I've for the last few years, I, I have in the back of my mind, you know, been tossing around teaching, like teaching timber framing or woodworking. Like I, I do like that. I like sharing the knowledge. Um, all the knowledge I have is mostly from people that shared it with me. I'm not someone that's going to not show you how to do something because I'm worried you're going to take my information and leave. Um, that's one of the reasons why I have no problem posting on social media what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and why I'm doing it. I mean, none of none of those ways might be the right way. I don't know. There's 10 different right ways to do things, but just how I do stuff. And, you know, I'm willing to share that with other people. And teaching in the future is definitely something I would be interested in. Um, cabinet work is a lot light, lighter duty on my body, so I can always go back to that. And doing... Uh, even the CAD drawings, you know, I have a good buddy that works for a construction company is constantly asking me, when are you going to come just draw for me? You know, when are you going to just draw? How's your knees doing? How's your back doing? Are you sore yet? You want to come draw? Mm. <laughs> so I definitely have options, but I, I love, I love the physical work so much. I want to do it as long as I can. I'm with you. And, 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 it, and I definitely didn't mean, mean this to be like a, a negative thing. It's just how it's just, something we have to think about as we're getting older. Oh, sure. I, I'm, I'm proud of how strong I am. I feel good. Like I, I've seen guys my age in far rougher shape. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, I've beat myself up, but, but I want to keep working. I always want to be physical. Oh it, yeah. It, it just takes a toll on your body, no matter how, you know, how careful you are, or how you go about doing it. Yeah. It's a lot of, heavy lifting, manual work. Yeah. Sitting around takes a toll on your body too, though. Honestly, you know, if I sit around for one day, I feel worse than when I work. Boom. I know I've been dragging this week cause I, well, like last week I had a cold and I, I couldn't, couldn't do everything. Yeah. And, and I, I had to sit around a little more than I wanted to. And I did not like it. I don't like being sick. I haven't been sick in like three years. I made it through COVID without getting sick once. Yeah. And so did I. <laughs> Maybe because we're 
more reclusive than other people. <laughs> That's probably part of the reason. <laughs> uh, okay. How do you get your clients? Uh, most of my work comes from word of mouth. Um, probably 90% of it comes from word of mouth from either past customers, other guys in the trades that know what I do will throw my name out there. If somebody's looking for something, um, mm -hmm. you know, cabinet wise, or if there's a bigger project that involves timber framing stuff. So mm -hmm. never really advertised. Um, I've stayed busy every day, even through 08 and on, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff that maybe you didn't like doing or want to do, but I worked every day. Um, mm -hmm. and, but have never really advertised or had to go looking for work per se. You know, I kind of imagine that the question just had to be asked. And then the follow-up is how much work do you turn down? Because you're a specialist. And so people really, ex you, it's not going to be like it is for a general contract. Where we're going to pick something apart at the end. Yeah. They're just expecting a product and it's because it's so unique um, I don't know. I, I just feel like in my head, maybe you just go with wh whichever client because they're, they're specifically coming to you for a product. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tell people up front cause when people talk to me, it's like, okay, I can't fit that in this year. Um, and explain to them why I'm a small business. It's literally like hmm. a one to two man show. I, I don't have the manpower. I can't pump out the volume of, of projects that other bigger companies do. They usually understand it and i'm like you know look around find someone else or if you're willing to wait they they might wait and i usually turn down more jobs in a year that i can than i actually do okay um, and in the last three years honestly since covid started it's been absolutely ridiculous as far as the calls and inquiries um at one point i was like okay i'll put you on the list and people are just trying to give you money to reserve a spot on the list and i'm like no i don't do that <laughs> and they're like well how many people are on the list i'm like i don't know 15 or 20 like too many for me to do this year and they'll actually say well wait and i'm like okay some of them will some won't who knows some will find somebody else i don't care there's there's plenty of work out there so i'm not really too concerned about it but once i get close to you know finishing up a job i'll have to sit down and be like okay which project which people have i dealt with that i'm gonna you know, go after for the next project. Um, but it's, I've, I've tried to tell no to people. Like there's two people in one week. I, I called them up totally in my mind. I can't do this project. I'm not going to do it. I hung up the phone after 15 or 20 minutes and I looked at my buddy Ben and I was like, I don't know what just happened, but they wouldn't take no for an answer. And somehow I think I'm doing that job with no deadline. <laughs> So it's, it's been crazy. It's like absolutely crazy the last few years. Sounds like you're in a good place. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Some clients won't take no for an answer. It's a, it's a tricky, it's tricky navigating some of those people. Yeah. Um, because they get upset sometimes. Yeah, they when, do. When you won't do it and you're like, well. Yeah, I can, I can only do so much. You right. know, if someone else called me and I'm starting on their project first, like, 
you know, I don't know what to tell you that's going to make you happy. There's probably nothing I can tell you that's going to make you happy. Yeah. Someone recently told me I need to hire more people. I don't have employees anymore, but I was just like, <laughs> I, you know, I wish I hadn't answered the phone. I wish I would have let it go to voicemail yeah. so I could just text them back and say, I'm not working. I'm not doing this job, but it, they were super intense and started telling me how to run my business. And I'm just, yeah, going, wow. I have a lot of people tell me I should hire employees and, you know, you can get more work done. And I don't know. It's, it's not like I'm making a, I'm not getting rich doing what I'm doing, but I, I have a comfortable life. I, you know, that I love and I'm going to keep doing it. I don't want, I don't want that stress to make an extra dollar. So. Yeah. It, uh, I think having employees definitely make you, it makes it more profitable, but the, the stress of like, I, I took it upon myself very personally when I had employees to make sure that they're busy and, and it's a lot for your head to, to the idea that you you're providing for someone to feed their families. That's the part that stresses me out a lot, yeah. making sure they get their 40 hours a weekend or whatever. Yeah, not too much, not too little. Yeah, I mean, I work all the that time, and like too. all of my hours aren't billable. So I look at that. I'm like, well, what if I'm working on something and I don't have these guys something lined up for them to do, and then I got to stop what I'm doing, and it's you know, it's just not worth it to me personally. Yeah, I I understand. Um, the only thing I miss, well, what I really miss, I miss my I miss my crew. I miss seeing them. Uh, the good times we had. And the other thing I miss is like when we just tore it up, like yeah. when you just get so much done, it's amazing. And everybody's feels incredible. Oh yeah. It's, no, those are, those are good days. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the deal when you get, when you put a little posse together and you guys rock out. Yeah. Um, so where are you sourcing your lumber? Like where's, where's everything come from? Is it just uh, most of the lumber for the timber frame stuff is locally sourced in Maine. Um, there's a few local, like more commercial mills, I guess I could go to and just give them a timber list and they'll ship it out to wherever I'm cutting the frame or my shop or wherever. Um, the last, I don't know, two or probably the last three frames, I think, um, the lumber has actually been sourced off of the customer's property. And so they've gone out and, and cut down the trees and skidded them out of the woods. Mm. And Ben, who works with me, like I said earlier, he has a wood miser. So he'll go right over there with his wood miser and mill out the timber package. And then we'll load it on the trailer and bring it over and cut the frame and bring it back. So um, it's kind of a pretty satisfying process for customers too, if they're willing to willing oh, to put yeah. in the sweat equity, which not everybody is. Um, but to say that, you know, your, your house came from the trees on your property and you were part of cutting them down and getting them out of the woods. And, um, it's pretty kind of a cool thing and satisfying for everyone involved. Um, the last, I think three frames I want to say have been sourced like that. That's very cool. Um, there's definitely something more satisfying about a home that has wood from the yard in the home or oh, nearby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't have a ton of that. We don't have 
we have some cabins that are built out of local lumber, three-sided log usually. Yeah. But um, but our full scribe logs are usually hauled in from from Southeast Alaska or or around Homer somewhere. Yeah. So, um, and then locally, we just have a lot of Alaska birch in our homes. That's what I like to do is my trim them out with Alaska birch. Yeah. Um, but okay. So, so Ben, does Ben subcontract separately when he's doing the wood, when he's milling? Is that, yeah, that's, uh, something sometimes he's dealing with the customer for that portion of it. And then I get the beams and then it's kind of turned over to me. And then he's working for me at that point while we're cutting the frame. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of situational. Um, sure. Some, he, he can actually source logs. One of the frame, one of the three frames that we did, he, he sourced the logs from a logger. Um, they didn't come off the particular customer's property. He sourced them and then milled them, um, instead of me going to a commercial mill. Mm-hmm. And are you like how far away are some of your jobs? What's the what's the furthest you're willing to travel to do these this work? Because it's not all happening in in your town, right? Uh, for an actual timber frame, yeah. The furthest I've gone for a frame, I've done a few down in Massachusetts, just north of Boston, and uh, in actual the state of Maine probably about a two and a half hour drive away is the furthest I've gone. Mm -hmm. So fair, fair, a lot of them are within a half an hour of where I live. I've had customer, I've had repeat customers. I've done like six frames for one person. That's awesome. That's the best. Yeah, no, they're, they're awesome people. They're more friends now. I wouldn't call them customers. They're great though. I've done a lot of work for them. Cool. They love timber frames. Clearly. Yeah. That's awesome. And he gets a lot of work for me too. He's always pushing me to his friends and family and he's like my biggest sales guy. <laughs> Sweet. That's, that's really cool. I like to hear that. There's nothing better than a, than a client like that. Yeah. But traveling, I mean, I could go anywhere. It's just the logistics of, you know, I can cut the frame here, ship it out and, um, it's not like I'm there for a month or two months doing the project. You know, I can be there for less than a week and back home. So I'm not opposed to taking on jobs that are out of my local area. It's just hard finding guys to come help me is that's usually the issue that yeah. are willing to travel for three or four days. <clears throat> so you're pretty much, you're pretty well tooled up and it's easy to travel for. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Some, sometimes it's a couple trips with, you know, a dump trailer with staging and ladders and sawhorses and all this other stuff that I need. And then another yeah. trip with all the tools and stuff. And you don't want to be somewhere and forget a specialized tool either. No, uh, that's the worst. <laughs> no, some, some of them aren't tools. You can just go to the local hardware store and pick up. Right. You're like, dude, I got to go home. Yeah. Two and a half hours one way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that would get tricky. Um, so what's your, what's your favorite part of the timber frame? Probably the raising day put actually standing it up is, is stressful as it is for me. It's still my favorite part. 
seeing it come together. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. What about your What about your joints? What's your favorite? What's your most challenging? Um, anything that has a hip or a valley in it, probably. Mm -hmm. They're They're definitely challenging and they're fun. I, you know, I was just talking to someone today, that particular customer I've done a bunch of projects for, and he's like, just, I was asking him, you know, what, what he wanted. Can I do a hip roof or something? And he's like, yeah, wh whatever will be fun, whatever will be fun for you, or just make it look cool, whatever's fun. And I was like, well, fun for me is as complicated as I can possibly make it. <laughs> nice. You know, for, for it was one of the reasons when I left, you know, years ago, um, I felt like we were just building rectangular boxes with 10 or 12 pitch roofs on it. And that was it. Um, and towards the tail end of being at that company, I did take a class up in Brownfield, Maine. Um, compound joinery is where I learned how to do the hip and valley framing. And I learned using trigonometry, uh, not using a frame and square calculator or whatever. Um, so it's kind of a weird way to learn it. But um, as soon as I started taking that class, I was just like, wow, this is so awesome, you know, using math this way and being able to build cool stuff with it. And um, ever since then, it was just like all I want to do is complicated stuff. It's it's challenging and satisfying at the same time and, and fun. Yeah, it keeps the mind sharp. Yeah. If someone um, showed me what I could do with math back in high school, I probably wouldn't have went to college. <laughs> you know, I was just talking, I just interviewed uh, uh, Callie Sudbrook and she, we were talking about that. I don't know why they didn't tell us a little bit more about how math was applicable. It, yeah, it wasn't until I was in college that one professor said, Pythagorean, like he said, I, I was a roofer to pay myself to go to co pay for college. And I use Pythagorean theorem all the time. And I was like, what? Yeah. You know, how come I didn't find that out till later? Yeah. I mean, I didn't either. But if someone showed me that back then, exactly. I always liked math in high school, but I probably, you know, would have tried to maybe take a different path. Who knows? Um, how do you price these? How, how do you price these projects? Uh, timber frames and cabinetry, I usually do fixed con contract price. Um, and it's basically, I keep track of all the numbers from every job I've done since I started. And I do go back and look at them to see if I have to adjust for anything, um, how long it takes me to do particular stuff, how many beams are in the frame, what's the material package cost, how long, you know, do I need a boom truck or a crane, a crane costs more. So it's a whole list of stuff, stuff that I go through. Um, but I'll usually do a whole frame on a contract uh, fixed price. Um, same with cabinetry, it's just done it long enough that I don't say I, I don't have a spreadsheet that I just plug stuff into, but I kind of go through with pencil and paper and notepad and and figure everything out and come up with my price and haven't really gotten burned. So 
keep doing it that way. Okay, let's let me ask you. Um, let's just do some random fun questions here. All right. Um, what's the best nickname for a tool you got? Oh gosh. Uh, stumping me on that one. That's all right. We you can, I'm sure you got one. Um, it, yeah. you can you can yell it at you can yell it out loud later. Right. Um, I just I, my 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 foreman always had new names for tools every year, and we'd always be like, "What?" He'd be like, "Give me the give me the clickety clacks," and we're like, uh, "Yeah, uh, <laughs> what?" Um, anyway, um, okay, tell us something about yourself that we might not already know. Something. Hmm just random that you might do that uh i would say i go jeeping a lot but i have posted a few things on that so mm. um uh i did used to row crew in college and afterwards competitively that's cool I, I rode Nationals one year nice so champion athlete as well. Tried to be. Uh-huh. Okay. What I, I remember you saying that um you told me that you were really concerned about what your parents were gonna say way back when when you decided to be a timber framer. Yeah, um, when I uh quit my accounting job, I was living outside of DC at the time in uh Rockville, Maryland, I think it was and quit my job and my came up to maine to visit my sister she was like you should she knew she knew what i was trying to do with the timber frame and i had not mentioned any of this to my parents yet and she was like oh you should come up to maine and visit and there's a company right in town go talk to them so i did and you know went back home and got a call a couple months later from the guy that i went to that timber framing company and talked to it was like oh you want a job so I was like, yeah, definitely. And <laughs> had to call tell my parents, like, uh, I'm I'm moving to Maine and I'm gonna become a timber framer. And I think I had a month before I went up there. And I was like, uh, before I go though, I'm gonna drive cross country by myself for a month just to like travel. <laughs> and kind of really, really concerned that they would be upset or I didn't know how they would react just because, you know, I'd spent four years in college and three years on this path doing accounting and all of a sudden I'm just, you know, throwing it out the window. But they were, they were the, probably the most supportive of all of them, of everyone I told. Uh, it's been awesome. They're super proud of everything that I do even today. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just one of those life steps that I'm glad that I made and glad that I have awesome family and friends supporting me, so. Well, yeah, we were we were all given these. We were we were pushed down a road, a pushed down a path in the late eighties, early nineties. It was yeah. go to college or you're a bum. Yeah, I mean, I went through that. I, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was eighteen years old. It was me neither. 
I didn't think I wanted to go to college. I only went to college because everyone else was doing it. And that's what I thought my parents wanted me to do. And you get out of college and it's, I guess I got to find a job in the field that I graduated in. So I did that. And, you know, it didn't take long for me to realize how much I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> when it, when I moved up to Maine, I, I was like jealous of all the guys that were my age working in the trades. Cause I was like, man, they're like, they've got like seven years more experience than I do already. Cause they didn't go to college and they've been doing it since high school. And I can't believe I wasted that time. And, you know, I don't feel like that now looking back at it. I am, I am glad I have that degree and that background and that knowledge. It's super helpful in running your own business. But in the beginning, I felt like I wasted my time and, and uh -huh. I, I do not at all anymore. I think it's a very, very valuable asset to have. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, I, I went to college and I don't regret it. Yeah. I, I do agree. You know, having that seven year bump yeah. would have been good and shoot. A lot of my friends are retired already. Yeah. They joined unions and did really well. And, yeah. Um, but I don't take it. I don't, I don't, I don't regret it. I've made some yeah. great friends in college too. Oh yeah. Friends. Same here. Yeah. So, I remember my dad telling me too about a college degree doesn't really mean much it's it's telling somebody that you're capable of completing something like you can 100%. get a degree in anything and someone will someone will hire you I, I feel like i didn't even learn much about accounting in college i learned more in the three years i did it afterwards while i was working in the field is where i feel like everything clicked and and i started learning um, mm -hmm. while i was in college reading books i didn't think was very um effective for for me personally and learning it yeah hands on some... hands on for everything actually better yeah, way I'm to more... learn mm -hmm. yeah i agree college was there's a lot of fill i think yeah but um i was kind of what i was going to kind of get at there was like what was the weirdest like expectation you were given as a child like looking back you know we have all these weird expectations they gave us yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they just expected us to be hardworking, you know, work work for what we wanted. And and that my parents were pretty. They were they made us work. I mean, we had to work for everything. They did. We didn't get handed stuff. I mean, we you know was mowing lawns and shoveling sidewalks as from as young as I can remember. If we wanted something, that they made us go work for money to buy it and. Um, just instill a good work ethic in you. And um, I don't know if I'm going off track with your question or not, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I still have the first mountain bike. I had to save up $550 for back when I was, I don't even know how old, because I, you know, took so long for me to earn that money. I still have the bike. That's cool. It's amazing, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's a good feeling if you around. work for something. Yep. Um, something, tell us something you get excited about that you never thought you'd get excited about, but maybe like the 25-year-old uh, Jeff Kelly would be like rolling his eyes at you. Um. Probably buying a new tool. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what was your oh so you've listened to this podcast before yeah you kind of know how i roll with questions yeah what would you ask someone who came on the podcast um probably you know what what drove them to get into the trade that they're in like was there one like like i told you earlier that my buddy showed me one book i saw one yeah. picture you know what what was it that kind of got you hooked into to what you're doing or what you want to do it's always interesting to see how people get into into their career field i know a lot of guys around here that got into it just because their parents or grandparents did it and you know some of sure. them don't want to do it but they kind of that was the only thing they could do or want or had an opportunity to do at the time but seeing what other people's thoughts on and why they got into something is pretty interesting yeah you know when i was a kid um some friends of mine or some friends of my parents built their own straw bale house yeah and none of this meant anything to me and then we drove to it as they were building it and i remember being like what like those people who come to our house and hang out are doing this it was it was yeah. wild because they weren't they weren't construction workers um so it was really interesting to me as a kid i think that influenced me a lot but um okay so well who's your mentor growing up anytime uh I, I feel like i've had many i'd say the biggest ones were my parents honestly um a lot of i don't know you seem it seemed to make i always want them to uh, i don't know what the word i'm looking for is um almost get their approval or makes you know have them be proud of you so you know they've done an awesome job we have three other siblings um but i would definitely say my parents as being a, a overall biggest mentor throughout life then and now mm -hmm. and what do you value most uh close family and health at this point you know my wife um my immediate family is probably the biggest things no kids no kids nope both both got married kind of later in life our first marriage and at that point we're had dogs instead <laughs> yeah that that's a common occurrence these days yeah that's like the Gen X thing. <laughs> um, I think. Okay, what is your favorite tool? My brain count? Yeah. That's the second time I've had brain. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I'd say my, my bar two-inch framing chisel. One of my favorite tools. Doing uh, uh, joinery how about the most useful tool uh the mafel chain mortiser mm. they're cutting the square pockets out of the beams roughing them out 
Mm. I was going to add, there's another Rafael tool I was going to ask about, but I didn't write it down. You know, you always have to write ideas down. You know, this yeah. at your age, you have to write it down immediately or it's poof. Was and it I saw this tool the other day and I was going to ask you, it was, it's for, it's for making the notch. It's, it's, it's basically you're replacing the chisel. Yeah. As you're coming across the beam. Oh, it's a big cutter head, almost like a joiner head. It plows out a ton of wood all at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like I don't, a, it's I don't like have skill, one of those. It's like a skill saw joiner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have one of those. I'd like one. Yeah, all their stuff not? is so expensive. Yeah. It's it's worth it, though. I'm kind that of a thing tool worth it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you have there's... to be. You're a woodworker. You have to be a tool snob. It's in your blood. Sometimes it's, it's like three or four times the money of a, of any other brand tool though. So it's a big pill to swallow when you buy any of their stuff. Right. But it'll last forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's one of the things I'll, I'll, if a tool will make a job more efficient or a little bit better quality or go easier or faster, or whatever, like I have no problem spending the money on it. You know, half the times mm -hmm. it'll pay for itself pretty quick. Yeah. You gotta love that. Yeah, it pays for itself in the first couple hours at work. Yeah, um, and that's a great segue into what is your "Where have you been all my life?" tool. Probably the Mafel drill stand that I bought like a year and a half ago. I used to drill all my peg holes, so I draw bore um, my mortise and tenon peg holes are offset a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I used to do it with a little piece of plywood with two speed squares screwed to it and put the drill bit down and just kind of eyeball down them. And now I have this really cool Old school stand that holds the drill and just set it down and pull the trigger and it goes. They're perfectly straight and square every time, real accurate. So for 20 something years, I don't know where that's been. <laughs> Oh, you just got it recently? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a couple said, of yeah, years yeah. ago. That's, a couple of years ago, I just got it. I so forever, I was kind of doing it by hand. That's funny when that happens. I mean, it's yeah. funny, not funny, because you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? There's still a lot of tools out there. I look at, I see stuff online or on social media. I'm like, what? what is that? Where'd they get that? I feel like there's a lot of tools that you can get in, in other countries that you can't get in the U.S. for timber frame specific tools. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Best job site snacks. Uh, peanuts and probably pretzels. Best job site jams. Uh, I don't listen to playlists much. It's usually on the uh, classic rock station. If I got the radio going. Uh-huh. Just dialed into 97 Rock. Yeah. 107.5, I think it is up here. Okay. It's usually on that station. Um, you have a favorite musician? Ooh, that's a hard one. I got a lot. Um, yeah. You can just that, roll and I'll just cut you off eventually. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm. I'm all over the place with music. I love music. Yeah, so I love... am I. There's so many good good musicians and so many that, so, you know, I will get into some and go to Pandora and listen to a station with some one of them for, you know, a couple of weeks and then switch over to someone else, but uh, I don't know if I could pick one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I don't know if you feel this way. I'm still like I'm still into like the album concept. You know, yeah. you, you you listen to an album for an experience. It's not like yeah. I do listen to like I listen to Spotify now. It's yeah, I, I, it's kind of ruined me, but but I have vinyl, and I just. And I have all my own CDs that I don't. I don't really listen to CDs. I listen to more vinyl now, but yeah, and, vinyl and sounds Spotify. awesome now. Oh yeah, yes, Especially I've got a good a, system. Yeah, I've got a good analog system. Yeah, which, which is not cool to many people, but to me, no, no, we, we have a lot. Of, we have a lot of vinyl records. I, I, I don't think we have a record player anymore, though. <laughs> oh, they make nice Bluetooth record players now oh yeah yeah you can put it anywhere in the room huh, and just we'll have, have it play up. back to your computer it's pretty cool I'll, I'll have trina look into that <laughs> my my one of my roofers gave me one for a gift cool. um so in, in the end these last two questions kind of segue together because i had callie on the last show ask a question and she says, she asks, in what ways are you offering positive mentoring in your world? Uh, can you say that again? In, in what ways are you offering positive mentoring in your world? Uh, that question is for me. Yes. Um, I don't know, taking the time to explain the people that happen to work with me, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, not just blowing them off and giving them a task to get this done. Uh, I, I will always stop and explain, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So. So they know. So, so they, they know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not trying to hoard knowledge. I mean, mine was gathered from a million different people so it's it's a good way to learn and you know yeah. you learn something one way you adapt stuff to it like all the stuff that i do now i've adapted over the years i've taken something from someone and, and adapted it to how it fits me so mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's not one size fits all no you know when you're training someone it's kind of like okay do it my way but as soon as you have this down, I think sure. everyone has a tendency to do that. Now, <laughs> if you're yeah. training someone, it's my way. Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, I definitely would say it would have been like that. Now it's like, I understand there's, there's a million ways to do it. So did you drink a lot of Utica club beer growing up? I did not drink a lot of Utica club when I was younger, but now when i go home i do like to grab some to bring back up here <laughs> uh-huh all right this this you can still get i don't think i can get it around here there might be one restaurant where they have it but it used to be fx mats and utica club i think you can get mats now or uh utica Ooh, club still i forgot yeah. about mats i forgot yeah. all about mats yeah it's it's fx mats brewery is where it was all brewed okay they're the fir first uh, brewery that brewed after Prohibition, I believe. Oh, huh. That was in uh, Utica. It's probably 20 minutes from where I grew up in Rome. Yeah. I, 
I remember the Utica Club brewery. I don't remember all the details. It's all foggy. It was a long time ago. I lived out that way. So yeah. They're also but. the ones that make Saranac beer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same yep, place. I used to I used to drink those pre-mixed black and tans back in the day. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> um that they still make that? Uh that's another one I can't find up here. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been back to Rome in a while. I actually have to do a, a beer run back there, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, this is the point in the podcast where I ask you, do you think that everybody listening should leave this podcast a review on iTunes or on Spotify? Most definitely. Get on there and leave a review. <laughs> Listen to Jeff. Okay. You're the humble craftsman. Give us one shot of advice or wisdom you've picked up along the way. I got it. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't even know who said it. It was quite a long time ago. But learn as much as you can because no one can take that away from you. Mm. That was in, in relation to the trades and building and work and like learn as much as you can. No one's going to, no one's going to come up and be able to take that from you. I like that. Hey, Jeff, this is it. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks really for having it. me. It's been awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. It's been my honor. Thanks a lot, Mike. Hey everybody. It's your buddy, Mike Kenoki here at the end of the road in Fairbanks, Alaska. And Jeff and I are probably going to go live sometime this week after the show comes out. Look for it Wednesday or Thursday on Instagram, where we will probably resume talking about building our first places, but it'll be a Q&A. And if you happen to miss it, it will be posted there in perpetuity. As per usual, you know I'd love it if you left me a review on iTunes. And if you're an Android person, go to Spotify and smash the five-star rating, or go to Podchaser, sign up for an account, and write a review that will land you automatically on my website. Helps me a lot, helps get the word out, helps the crawlers find me, and it helps us grow as a building community. Okay, that's all I got. Later. I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> you just go back and, and listen to the podcast. 